Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Uh, This morning, however, I want to talk about Advent. Um, As I said before, uh, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, There are four Sundays of Advent leading up to Christmas. Um, Advent, for those uh, who maybe don't know exactly what Advent is, um, it's not just another term or another word for Christmas. It's actually really more specifically the season before Christmas. Advent in the uh, Latin literally means coming. So the season of Advent or Advent is about the uh, the, the waiting for the fulfillment of the Messiah. It's waiting for the Christ. It's a season of waiting before the actual fulfillment. It's the anticipation for the incarnation of the Son of God. So in this season, we spend a lot of time digging into scriptures concerning the birth of Christ. And this Sunday is not going to be any different. We're going to talk this morning about a scripture um, that oftentimes in the Christmas story doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Um, and it's the story of when Mary visits her Aunt Elizabeth when she finds out that she has conceived and is, with, has, is bearing the Son of God in her womb. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Let's go ahead and just pray together. Jesus, we just honor you again for your presence here this morning. Father, we thank you for this season of Advent which is a reminder to us all once again of how to wait, how to be in the season of waiting before the fulfillment. Jesus, we honor you and we thank you that we didn't have to wait long before you came and were were God incarnate, Emmanuel, with us. Jesus, we just thank you for your presence here this morning. I pray your word would come with power and authority this morning. And Father, that your, your, uh, your word would pierce our hearts, Father. We just give you praise and glory for that. In Jesus' holy name, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Luke chapter 1. Before we get into the story of Elizabeth or Mary going to Elizabeth's house, I'm going to back up and read uh, some verses that are very familiar in the Christmas story, uh, where the angel Gabriel comes and visits Mary, uh, just so we can have some context for the story. So again, open up to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you get there this morning... Say, uh, say, ho, ho, ho. All right, we'll, we'll make it festive this morning. <laughs> all right, Luke chapter one. Were you all actually there or did you just do that because I said so? I'm just wondering. Hey, there, hey there, we got a latecomer now. There you go. All right, Luke chapter one, verse 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. We're going to go and just stop right there for just a moment. And this is kind of how it's going to be this morning. We're just going to we're going to read through and, uh, and, and take little bits at a time and talk about it. But I want to stop there. Highly favored one. The angel comes to Mary and says, blessed are you, Mary. Highly favored one. 
highly favored one. We probably don't know what Mary did to find favor with God. But we can assume that it probably wasn't some big, notable gesture. In fact, if it wasn't for the fact that that God chose her to bear the Christ, we probably wouldn't even know Mary's name today. Because there was nothing in her life other than this glorious thing right here where she receives the incarnation in her womb. Other than that, there is nothing that Mary is, has done that was noteworthy or that was some big grand gesture. So you got to ask, what was it that God saw in Mary that, the Gabri- that Gabriel would come and visit her and call her highly favored of God? Highly favored of God. We have to redefine what we believe gets God's attention. Let me say that again. We have to redefine in our own hearts what we believe gets God's attention. The world may care about grand gestures and newspaper headlines, but that is not what captures the heart of the Father. Again, Mary did no notable thing in her life, yet the angel visited her and says, highly favored one, you've caught the attention of the Father. Do you know who captures the attention of the Father in Scripture? David, the youngest of Jesse's sons, who plays the harp as he tends his father's sheep. Gideon, who hides in the wine press and threshes his wheat because he's afraid of the Midianites. Peter, the fisherman, who has a bit of a temper, right? Has a bit of a, a loose tongue. But when the father, or when Jesus comes to him and says, drop your nets and follow me, Peter instantly drops his nets and follows him. What is it that captures the attention of God's heart? It's not grand gestures. It's not notable things. What captures the heart of the father is faithfulness in obscurity. Pursuit that comes, get this, from desire and not duty. Pursuit that comes from desire and not duty. And then a commitment, I'm sorry, a contentment in the simplicity of just being known by the father. What captures the heart of God? What captures the attention of the Father? Faithfulness and obscurity. Pursuit that comes from desire and not duty. And contentment in the simplicity of just being known by the Father. There's so many of us that spin our wheels. And what the Father is looking for is contentment and just being known by Him. Faithfulness and obscurity. Pursuing him, not because it's a religious duty that we have to do, that we have to come to church, that we have to read our Bibles, that we have to, you know, sing and and worship and those things. No, 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 it's not duty, it's desire. It's that there's this hunger on the inside of us to know God more. That one thing have I desired of the Lord. And that one thing I will seek. 
none of those things would make the news. None of those things would be written about in a newspaper. But it's in the secret place, Matthew 6, 6 tells us, that when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And then it says this, because that is where your Father is. And those who go to the room and they shut the door and they pray to their Father in the secret place will be rewarded openly not because of some grand gesture, but because of desire to spend time with the Father away from the public's eye where nobody else knows about it, where it's hidden in obscurity, but the Father sees it. These kinds of things are what captures the attention of the Father. And Mary, this teenage girl from Nazareth, a nobody, captures the eye of the Father. And the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, Blessed are you, Mary, highly favored one. And Mary gets chosen to carry the Son of God in her womb. Hallelujah. One other note on this before we move on. This blessing God gives Mary causes her a lot of trouble. Not too many dads that I know would buy the story of immaculate conception when you came home, right? Any dads in the room that would buy that from their, their daughter? No, I bet Mary's family didn't really buy it from hers either. And her community didn't buy it from her either. Mary would have faced all kinds of trouble from the community around her. She would have been looked down upon, again, her own family probably, or, or they could have rejected her. Lots of issues could have arisen from this, her fiance almost divorces her until an angel visits her, right? So, this blessing from God causes Mary a whole lot of trouble. But God was the one who called her, so He's the troublemaker, right? <laughs> he's the one who caused all this trouble for Mary. And here's the thought I want to give to you this morning some people become disillusioned when they experience trouble when walking out the path God put them on, right? That God calls them to something, whether it be something in ministry, whether it be some kind of job, whether it be maybe stepping out and, and doing something the Lord asks you to do, and then when you step out and do it, all kinds of issues and troubles and things arise, and what's our first instinct? Well, God, we must have missed that one, right? We must have missed that one. Or God, I thought you called me to this. Why are you allowing all of this trouble and tribulation to come? And we see, we see trouble as, a, as an indicator that maybe we are on the wrong path. When in reality, trouble can oftentimes be an indicator that you are exactly where you are supposed to be. That you are right where God has called you to be. Because oftentimes the blessings of God also bring about some sort of persecution. Oftentimes when you are on the path God has called you to, it brings about some sort of issue or trouble. So do not be surprised when you step out in faith on the path God has brought you on and you encounter tribulation along the way. Don't take it as a sign that you are doing something wrong when in reality you are probably right where you are supposed to be. I love this analogy. Do we have any, any hunters in the room, any bow hunters in the room? 
All right, none. Awesome. You all know how a bow and arrow works, though, right? Right? When you put a bow or put an arrow in a bow, what's the first thing you have to do in order to hit the target? Pull back. The first thing you have to do is cause resistance. Because without the resistance, the arrow's not going to fly very far. So oftentimes when God puts you in his bow and is ready to fire you off, the first thing you have to do is not go forward, but go backwards. The first thing you have to do is not be released, but actually have some resistance in order to catapult you so that you'll hit your target. You can also use this analogy. When, you, when you're watering your flowers, now there's people in here that have flowers, I know that, right? So when you're watering your flowers and, and before you had the fancy nozzle that you can just push the button and it would spray, what did you have to do in order to water your flowers? Right? The water comes through the hose and you put your thumb on the hose. Why? Because when you restrict the water, what does it do? causes the water pressure to rise so that you can spray the water further. It's the same thing. Oftentimes when you step into the path God has called you to be in, you will find resistance, but it is not an indicator that you are doing something wrong. It's actually an indicator that you are doing something right. And God is causing, I don't want to say it this way. I don't want to say God is causing the resistance, but he absolutely uses the resistance to catapult you to your target. Amen? So little that's a little side note here in this message this morning, but Mary was blessed to receive the Son of God, but it caused all kinds of issues and turbulence in her life. So don't be surprised if when you step out into what God has called you to, that it does not cause some turbulence in yours. Amen? All right. Where was I? Verse... Uh, for someone. Where was it? 28? We'll start there. And when, and when having come into the angel said to her, rejoice highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him to give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Listen to this part. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Of his kingdom there will be no end. You know there's all this turbulence that's happening in the Middle East right now. There's plenty of turbulence happening in the United States right now. And I can, come, I can say this confidently. None of these things move me. Do you want to know why? Because when his kingdom began, the word tells us that it has absolutely no end. What does it say in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6? Right? For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. His name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Then listen to this. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be what? 
no end. There is no end, which means this, that you and I are in the kingdom of God, which is ever increasing and expanding in glory. So we have nothing to fear. Amen. We have nothing to fear. It says all the way in Revelation chapter 11, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That we belong to the kingdom of God, which is ever increasing and ever expanding. And the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. There's a whole lot there we could go on, but we're going we're gonna, to uh, move on here this morning. Other than just to say this, you do not have to be afraid. You do not have to be afraid. Because his kingdom, the the king of kings refuses to give up his throne. He refuses to give up his authority, amen? And his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. Another miracle right here, although different from Mary's. Elizabeth was old. Zacharias was old yet they were able to conceive John in their old age. And I love this next verse. For with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. Verse 38, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now in verse 39, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. To a city, to the city of Judea, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary had just conceived. Mary had just conceived of Jesus in her womb. She immediately, the Bible says, gets up and begins making haste to go see her cousin Elizabeth. Now Mary knows that Elizabeth is pregnant because the angel told her, but Elizabeth has no idea that Mary is pregnant. There's no way for her to have known because, again, Mary had just, just received word and it says that she immediately got up and made haste to her cousin Elizabeth that her cousin Elizabeth, many believe, was about a three days journey away. So Mary makes her way to her cousin Elizabeth's house. She walks in the door, says, hi, Aunt Elizabeth. And immediately, the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Elizabeth begins prophesying over Mary and, and knows from the experience that she is carrying the Messiah. There was no conversation in between. 
What I'm trying to show you here is, is this miracle that we're, we often overlook, right? There's no conversation between Mary and Elizabeth. It says that as soon as Mary walks in the door, she greets Elizabeth and the baby leaps at the sound of her greeting. There's no conversation. She has just conceived, so there's no evidence that Mary is pregnant, yet Elizabeth knows what is happening as soon as she walks in the door. That the presence of Jesus overwhelms Elizabeth and the baby that is in her womb, and Elizabeth immediately knows what is happening in that moment. This is what deep calling to deep looks like. This is what happens in the presence of Jesus. This is what happens when you become sensitive to the presence of Jesus. Before Jesus was a man, before he was even born, within days of being in the womb, his presence caused a thrill of hope. Joy filled Elizabeth and John. The baby leaped and the mother was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Just close your eyes and imagine that moment. Mary greets her cousin or her aunt and immediately the Holy Spirit begins speaking to Elizabeth. Verse 43 says, but why, uh, I'm sorry. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, verse 41, that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of the womb, of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Jesus spoke about this in the Gospels. That Elizabeth the aunt, even though she was the elder, she recognizes and honors Mary. In that culture, it would have been the other way around. The elder, the aunt, would have been honored, would have been favored. But in this instance, Elizabeth, who is the elder, who is the aunt, who also has something exciting happening on the inside of her, right? They were visited by an angel as well. Their conception was a miracle as well. But in this moment, Elizabeth honors her teenage niece and calls her blessed and highly favored. And again, Jesus taught about how difficult this is in Scripture. He says this in Mark chapter 6. He says, a prophet is without honor in his own home. When Jesus went into the city of Nazareth where he was born, it says that he couldn't perform many miracles in the place because of the unbelief in the city. And it said that there was some murmuring going on amongst the, amongst the community. They, they would say things like, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Joseph, right? How, how was he considered a teacher and a prophet? How is he performing these miracles? And because Jesus was familiar to them, they missed the Son of God. They couldn't honor who Jesus was because they knew him when he was a boy. Because he was familiar to them, they missed him. Yet Elizabeth, 
who is the aunt, who is older, when it hears Mary's voice, immediately begins to honor and favor Mary. What's my point here? My point is this, that it becomes difficult to honor what is familiar. It be, it's difficult to honor what has become familiar to you. But if you can honor what is familiar, you can experience the Christ within it. What does that look like practically? Church can become familiar. You come every Sunday. You sit in the same place most of the time. Might as well have a placard on each of your chairs. You hear four songs for worship usually. We take communion. We give announcements. We do meet and greet. We have a message. We go home. Week after week, it can become familiar to you. And what happens when things become familiar to you is when you get into that routine, you can miss what the Holy Spirit is doing in those familiar things. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's not church. Maybe it can be even individuals, like it was with Jesus. They became familiar with Jesus, so they were unable to see the anointing that was on him because why? They were familiar with him. So what I'm saying to you this, to, is this this morning. Do not let things become so familiar that you miss the Christ within them. That you miss the anointing within them. Whether it be a church service, whether it be another person, whether it be the sacraments, taking communion, baptism, whatever it may be, don't let it become familiar. You know what religion is? Religion is not stained glass windows. Religion is not hymns. Religion is not, not, um, not orders of service and traditions. Religion is allowing the familiar to take out the anointing. Religion is becoming so familiar with the process that you allow the process to become your God rather than God himself. Don't allow things to become so familiar that you miss the Christ within. Be like Elizabeth who sees her niece and knows immediately that she is carrying the Christ child within and honors and favors the lesser because of what she carries. Some of you in this room are carrying something you don't even know you have. Some of you in this room are have an anointing down on the inside of you that you don't even realize is there. And it's our job as a community of believers, as the family of believers, to not become so familiar with the church family that we miss the anointing on the inside of them, but instead to call it out. That we are sensitive enough that we can see past the fact that we watch them grow up and see the anointing that is buried deep on the inside that they are impregnated with and begin calling out that anointing and honoring that anointing that is on the inside of each other, amen? Elizabeth sees Mary and knows 
what's on the inside of her and begins calling it out. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she. Oh, let me, let me stop right there. I'm sorry. I know I'm stopping a lot. Yeah, we're good. Some of you are going, no, we're not. <laughs> I'll begin wrapping it up and maybe we'll finish this next week. But I want to make this point to you here this morning. Verse 44, the baby in Elizabeth's womb begins to dance at the sound of Mary's voice. Here's what I want to say. Parents, your children can experience the presence of God as early as in the womb. presence of God is not just for mature believers. In fact, the Bible would argue to say that sometimes children are more mature in the things of the Spirit than any adult is. Unless you become like one of these, a child, you, by, you can by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. John, you, you could make this argument from this passage that John in the womb was actually the one who recognized Jesus first. <laughs> that it was when he leaped in Elizabeth's womb that Elizabeth went, wait a second, something different is happening here. That John, as an infant, not just as an infant, as what some would call just a fetus, recognizes the presence of Jesus. I'm not, don't, not making this message about a, an abortion argument, but isn't it interesting that the first person in Scripture to know the presence of Jesus is a baby in the womb? Parents, teach your kids the presence of God. Saturate your home in the presence of God. Don't, it, it'd be, it's really easy to, to, to tamp down maybe how kids act in church or do different things. And obviously there needs to be control in those things. But when it comes to the presence of God, let your child experience and express themselves in the presence of God. And I, I don't know, I, I, I've, I've felt this before. I think there will be a day when the children are going to lead us into the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Let me, I feel led just to pray this right now. Jesus, God, I pray for our kids. God, that they would be so in tune with the presence of Jesus, that they would be like John when they experience the presence of God, they would leap and dance. Father, that they don't, they don't have to work through muddy theologies. They don't have to work through uh, bad experiences in church. Father, they can come innocently and purely before you and just enjoy the presence of God. God, I pray every classroom that we have would not just be a, a glorified babysitting room. I know it's not that now, but God, I just pray that the presence of God would just fill every classroom. God, that the joy of the Lord would be in those rooms. 
Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. I'll, I'll end this message here this morning with this. She, verse 45, Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she who believed. Not blessed are you because you carry the Christ. Not blessed are you because you understand fully what is happening. But blessed are you because you believed. Because you were willing. Because your heart was yielded to the voice of the Lord. I love Mary's words in verse 38, after the angel visits her. And it's a word, it's, it's a prayer I think we all should have on our lips. Be unto me according to your word. This is what I believe God is looking for in us. Not perfect understanding, but yielded hearts. In verse 56, it tells us that Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Mary stays with Elizabeth for the first three months of her pregnancy with Jesus. For three months, Elizabeth got to watch Mary's baby bump grow. She got to feel the first kicks of the Messiah. She got to feel John constantly twirling in her womb, which I don't know was that enjoyable, right, ladies? But she got to feel the joy of her unborn child at the presence of Jesus for three months. Elizabeth got to experience the first intimate details of Jesus's life because she honored and believed even when things didn't make total sense. Even with familiarity, even though there was no proof. I want to be that sensitive to the presence of God. If there's any message here this morning and anything I want you to receive this morning, it's this. I want to be as sensitive to the presence of Jesus as Elizabeth and John were. That when he walks into the room, there is something on the inside of me that begins to twirl. There is something on the inside of me that begins to dance because I can see the presence of God. You know, when Jesus grows up, he becomes a man. And there are people who look at the man Jesus right in the eye and miss him. But Elizabeth and John, before he ever even was out of the womb, knew the presence of Jesus because they were sensitive and willing to honor what was familiar and believe even without fullness of understanding. And because of that, they got to experience the first intimate details of Jesus. I want to be that sensitive to the presence of Jesus.
I want you to be that sensitive to the presence of Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. Jesus, we honor you. Father, we honor you. God, I thank you that you're not searching to and fro the earth for grand gestures. You're not searching to and fro for those who have high notoriety. But Father, you're looking for those who in simplicity of heart are pursuing you and desiring you. Those who, even when they are in obscurity, are seeking your heart, Jesus. Father, I pray for all those here this morning. God, that you would make us sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You'd make us sensitive to the presence of Jesus. God, that we'd be able to recognize it not just in service, but God, we'd be able to recognize it in each other. Father, that we'd be able to see past familiarity and be, to, be able to see the Jesus in those around us. Father, teach us how to be like Elizabeth and John, who at just the sound of Mary's voice knew what she carried. And Father, let our hearts be satisfied and content in just being known by the Father. Father, I thank you for this Advent season. God, I pray that this Christmas season would be like no other. Father, that even beyond the, the joys of gifts and the joys of being with family and and all of the festivities and things going on, Father, that this Christmas would be marked by your presence, Lord. Father, that we would grow in intimacy with you this season. And we would experience your presence in a whole new measure, in a whole new way. God, we honor you for that today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.